I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we're going to be focusing on early years. And this is in relation to the Khalifa International Award for Early Learning. Now, this new prize is aimed at recognising excellence in early years education. It has two categories, Best Research and Studies and Best Programme and Teaching Practices. Two winners in each category will receive $50,000. So you can see there's a real incentive to get involved, not just in terms of the money, but also in terms of being able to really share really great practice and the chance to, to really benefit everybody that's involved in the early years. Now, joining me to discuss this is Nimala Rao, and she is Professor in Early Childhood Development and Education at the University of Hong Kong. And she's going to be sitting on the committee and judging panel for this particular award and has a, an insight of, of obviously great expertise and also can share with us exactly how you get involved and some of the key points about it. So I really hope you enjoy this if you're involved in the early years and have this opportunity to, to make a difference in early years education. Hello, Nirmala. Thank you so much for being part of the Education on Far podcast. I'm excited to be able to share the work that you're doing and the the, the Khalifa Award because I think it has the opportunity, first of all, to get people involved um, in a way that maybe they wouldn't have been able to before, because obviously because of the size of the award and, and the focus on it. But I think it also opens up that conversation, which is is the most important thing, especially as we talk about this in in sort of a global setting rather than just sort of individual countries. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. So why don't we start with with your sort of day-to-day background in terms of, of your sort of educational work and, and what you're up to, and then we can see how, how that ties into sort of being on the committee and your job for that as well. Right, right. I'm a professor of early childhood development and education at the University of Hong Kong. And uh, I work, I do research in the area, I work in many different countries, and I work in a faculty of education. So I train teachers and researchers to work in earlier settings and uh, to become teacher trainers. So I'm part of this um, award committee. And we really want to focus on promoting noteworthy practices in early childhood education throughout the world. So that is uh, my background. So the idea, like we said, about that global idea and, and being around the world, in, in sort of your experience and in what you've been able to sort of witness over, over your sort of professional years, is there sort of those sort of common themes or is there also with that sense of, oh, this has come from this particular part of the world, which maybe someone wouldn't have thought of from a different place, but then can sort of be integrated? Yes. Well, I think there are definitely uh, common themes. Uh, uh, we have a common biology. We know that young children uh, thrive when they are provided nurturing care and they're provided stimulation. 
right? And we know all over the world because um, of the evidence that there has been an increase in participation in preschool or uh, childcare. And we know that children that go to preschools uh, tend to be much better prepared for primary school, right? The, in terms of the school readiness. We also know that uh, quality of care that children uh, receive is very important and high quality care has the potential to mitigate socioeconomic gradients in early childhood development. So we know that, you know, children experience uh, different home environments, that some parents stimulate their children more, etc. So we, we know this, right? And all over the world, you know, research is, uh, is coming. Primarily, this, this work was conducted in more developed countries like the US, the UK, Australia. But now we're getting this evidence from around the world that children um, benefit from participation in early childhood, but also we know that the quality of care that they receive matters. So that's the commonality. Um, I, I guess my work uh, focuses on uh, providing evidence for governments to scale up good practices. So um, we want to uh, increase investment in the early years right? Investment from governments, investment from civil society, um, investment from the private sector. So young children can have um, a, a positive and high quality early experience. So that, that I think um, summarizes the kind of work that I do. We, I do the research and I want to train teachers to provide a high quality uh, early childhood care and education. And what does that sort of look like in if you sort of had to summarize it? Because I know certainly from the conversations that I've had over the years, the early years and the framework of their experience and the learning that they're doing can be can be very different than like say as you start to hit primary and, and then sort of later on into primary as well. So what what's your what's your sort of view of that in terms of what's been good practice or what you've seen working well? Right. I think um there are two things that are important um, everywhere, right? Because um, we have different curricula in different countries, different national curricula, different approaches to early childhood education. You know, we have from Montessori approach to more uh, project-based approach. But what we know is critical is the teacher, the quality of the educator or the pedagogue or um, they're called different things, right? Uh, early childhood educator or kindergarten teacher, or reception class teacher. So we need to, we know that what's really important is training. And that training that they receive, uh, it should uh, preferably be pre-service, right? Pre-service training uh, it should be competency-based. Uh, that this training should include certain elements, including a supervised practicum, some knowledge about child development, about how to work with families, etc. So that we know is common, having a really good teacher. We also know that environment must be safe and secure 
We also need, know that there must be certain kinds of resources to support children. There need to be, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive. We, uh, we can have low cost, no cost materials, but we do need materials to teach children. They need, you know, um, homemade toys or some crayons we need. So we need an environment that's safe, that's secure. And we don't want, we want what we call an appropriate teacher-child ratio because, you know, in some countries there may be 80 children to one teacher in pre preschool. And that's very hard for the teacher to provide individual attention. Right. So we do know um, we do know that there are certain characteristics tied to the educator, tied, tied to the environment, um, tied to the availability of resources. We know supervision is important, um, but we also must be mindful of the fact that quality education can look different in different places. Right. So I think we need to be aware of we need to be sensitive to cultural differences. And I guess that's where that training comes into its own, really, isn't it? Because if, if everybody has this really amazing grounding in those things that you've just spoken about, that then gives the professionalism and the understanding and hopefully the respect, which I think a lot of people here in the UK would feel it is lacking somewhat, in allowing the teacher then to do what they know is best for their children in their particular environment. And like I say, exactly. that, would, that would look very different school to school in one particular country, country but would look very different from, from country to country or continent to continent. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why, you know, in many countries, they try to get teachers who live in the same area as the children that they serve, so they have a better understanding, you know, like, even rural Britain would be quite different from, say, you know, uh, living in London. So they, you know, the different circumstances, family relationships, etc. Yeah, very yeah. communities. Yeah, and that's something I've heard uh, actually from sort of sort of international schools when they're being set up in new places. It's that kind of really utilizing the understanding and the knowledge in local teachers that are then able to be brought into the fold of whatever the international schools focus is or the way they want to educate. But that kind of hand in hand and that sort of commonality of what's important from both sides is is does seem to be very successful and a great sort of foundation for moving forward. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the the award itself. How's how's it sort of set up, and, and how does the system work in terms of of the application process, what's needed, and how it sort of works through to the final stages there. Okay, so this is the Khalifa Award for Education, and it was started in, it started in the UAE, and there are two categories for the award. One is the best research and studies, and the other one is the best programs, curricula, teaching methodologies and practice, right? So basically, uh, the what we really want to do is we want to spread noteworthy practices and we want to recognize good research wherever it has been conducted in the world. We want to enhance the status of early childhood education. You yourself just alluded to the fact that sometimes um, the field of early childhood education doesn't get the respect. The teachers feel that doesn't they don't get the respect that the, they deserve because they're um, you know it doesn't have the status of secondary school or primary school, 
right, in many countries. So what we wish to do is recognize uh, good research, recognize good teaching practice, um, especially ones that are scalable, that can be taken to other um, places and uh, can be used to um, enhance the experience of young children and promote high quality early childhood care and education. So there are, um, as I said, two prizes in each category. Each is about 50,000 US dollars. So we're talking about 200,000 US dollars in prize money um, to identify uh, and um, disseminate good practices in early childhood. So um, there's a website, uh, yeah, the application is online. The deadline is the Feb February 28th of uh, 2023. And we really wish to get lots and lots of entries and from all parts of the world so we can uh, showcase what our teachers and researchers and early childhood educators do. Yeah, and I think that really solves the the problem of what we were said to begin with, wasn't it? Is that it, a lot of it is actually just spreading the word of what is amazing practice going on already, and this is a way of kind of like say putting all this in a in a, in a place where people can go and then and then see what that is. So so for those that do um, go to the website and and do the application process, they basically are telling telling you what it is that they do, how they do it, I guess, all those sorts of things which you're then able to look at. Um, and so how how many people are kind of looking at it and how, how do you sort of come to the, the conclusion of which ones then obviously move, move, move through the system, as it were, towards the awards? And, 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 and I guess also if you see some other ones which are very good but don't have that, that award, they still get the opportunity to be heard. Right. I think uh, I'd like to emphasise one thing is we're looking for evidence that shows that their work is good, right? So they have to be able to document their good practice or their good research. So you can't just say, oh, I've developed this curriculum and it's wonderful. We would like to see some evidence of this, you know, whether it's from, you know, observations or, you know, um, we, we need to see evidence of uh, the effectiveness of the practice. So I think that's, so what happens is I'm joined on uh, the committee by um, a group of August academics and uh, early childhood specialists, including um, a Professor Iram uh, Siraj from Oxford University, uh, Dr. Steve Barnett from the National Institute of Early Education um, at Rutgers University, um, from Fatma Ahmed Abdullah al-Bastaki from the Emirates School Establishment of the Ministry of Education and Dr. Yana Fleming, who's the Director of Early Childhood Development in a, uh, at the Salma bin Hamdi, Hamdi Foundation in Abu Dhabi. So we will um, go through um, the applications and we'll obviously like any um, jury we will have our criteria laid down and it'll be done in a, um, a by a committee so we're really hoping to get outstanding applications for the prize yeah yeah and, and once um once the prize is um 
organized from your point of view in in, in terms of, of that how, how does that then then look in terms of of then like say disseminating that good practice and and that people being able to sort of follow that journey uh, what will happen is obviously there'll be a prize giving and then uh the award committee as well as the organization the foundation they will spread uh the information uh and also make sure it so we rely on professional networks in early childhood international and regional and national networks um and we have good connections with them so we will disseminate we're working with them we'll disseminate this information to to these net professional networks and they will help us also to reach teachers right and uh policy makers etc so um we will disseminate it through news through professional magazines through networks yes and i i really like that sort of emphasis there because in, in order for change to happen or for people to be able to take this on board like i say there are there are multi levels of people that are doing it it might be a whole policy that would benefit from that change or like you say or it might be a teacher that's able to take some of this on board so it really is that sort of wide ranging isn't it absolutely and I think uh, we all recognize that in education that change can be bottom up or top down, right? So sometimes, you know, um, we learn from the teachers are so innovative. They learn from discussing with each other. They work together. You know, we talk about communities of practice and they share and this, you know, this is a good way to do this. This is so this is what we're really hoping right that we're we're looking at bottom up as well as uh uh bo bottom off practices that can be scaled up and taken up yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and I, and i and i think that's the thing isn't it then anybody listening can think ah oh, i'm part of this and how you then want to sort of go through that application process in terms of being able to like say as long as you fit the criteria and you're able to do it you can you can see it and implement it in in different ways um in your experience, do you often find that the things that you come across in in this sort of sort of scenario of having a committee and 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 uh, and an organisation that's sort of fronting this, do things surprise you anymore? Uh, as in, I hadn't even thought about that, or it's so far off of my knowledge that that's just amazing, or is it usually incrementally? Ah, oh, I've still seen the idea of this before, but I've may not seen it put in practice in the same kind of way. Um, I think sometimes I get surprised, <laughs> you know, when we work on committees, because I think uh, teachers and in in schools where very can be very innovative and creative. We don't need to look further, much further than the COVID pandemic. You know, I was just so amazed. I mean, this was, you know, by what I was reading about how, what, how much teachers were doing to make sure that children from disadvantaged backgrounds did not experience learning loss. You know, even before the government stepped in, teachers were doing things in their communities. They were just quite amazing. So sometimes we do get surprised, right? And 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 like I say, 
it is interesting, isn't it, when something comes completely left field like that? You know, I mean, it shouldn't take a pandemic for people to suddenly have to do things differently. But it's amazing what people can do when it's really necessary. And I think a lot of the time it's, you know, we know that the early years needs more funding, like you say, it needs more focus. And we know that it will make a massive difference, obviously, to the children and the staff involved in early years now. But from a from a government point of view, it has a massive implication on the way society Absolutely. looks go, going going forward. And so it, it is a kind of a, a crisis point in terms of we can make a big difference now. But because, like I say, unless there's an immediate need for something, you don't quite get that change as probably it should be. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and what do you think would um, would make the biggest difference to to maybe, like, say, that approach and and that kind of perception of people about the early years in terms of of making a big enough difference that, like I said, you know, would make societal change for for the positive going forward. So I think there's just it's there's not one silver bullet, right? Uh, to have positive change, we need to have what we call a sustainable early childhood system, right? We need to have really um, good implemented policy that's supportive of families. We need to have um, a really committed and supported workforce, right? We need to to have a really relevant curriculum and appropriate pedagogy for young children. We need to get families and communities on board, right? So I think there's just not one thing we can do. We have to look at it together. Um, but one of the things that, if you know, I think that we've realized, particularly during the pandemic, is how important parents are in the education of young children, right? And how, I mean, we've always known that parents are important. We've always said, you're taking a book home, you know, literacy hour, you know, in school, literacy hour, but also reading it at home, etc. But I think we, we realize how much we have to work in partnership with parents because, you know, we didn't want uh, preschool age children to have online classes or Zoom classes like we had for the older kids. And our strategy was to work with parents to work with their kids. And that made us realize how much, you know, uh, how much, how important it is for us when we're training teachers, when we're in kindergartens or in preschools to actually support parents. Because I guess when you have the child at the centre of this vision diagram, however you want to, to call it, um, they're in school for a, a, um, a large part of their day, but they're obviously at home for a large part of their day, aren't you? So you can see how all of those influences are incredibly important. And also, like I say, having that community feel of everyone understanding each part of that puzzle, you know, what you as a parent think is happening within the education system and what the education system is thinking is and possible depending on the circumstances at home as well and then like say it becomes like a, a joint conversation which is sort of ele elevating the child based on like we said all the differences depending on where you live and circumstances and that kind of thing but in, at least it's done on, under some kind of common ground um and then you, you lose all that disjointedness and that you know i guess we have a level playing field in terms of what we're able to do 
to support a child, the children in the best way for them. And I guess that comes down to that sort of personalized learning, but in, in, in a group setting, as it were. Um, I guess one of the final things I'd like to just ask you is the fact that so often I kind of hear in conversations that from an early years perspective, a lot of the sort of perceptions from higher level governments and policy and that kind of thing, they think of it in in the same way as they think of primary and of older education, rather than seeing the real need and like say the evidence-based idea of what what early years classrooms or edu education settings should look like. Is that something which is very UK based, which is what I've often heard it from here, but it, does the same sort of thing happen in other places as well? It, it varies. Um, I know what you mean about schoolification of the early years, right? Um, I think in most countries, there is a focus on play-based. Uh, education. And in East Asia, particularly, we don't want preschool to be like prep school. It is very formal. It is, um, you know, where they're large group teaching, etc. We do want children to enjoy learning. And we do want learning to be play based. And we uh, early years teachers often come under pressure from parents because the sort of the East Asian idea is children should not be left behind at the starting gate of school. So they want to send them to all sorts of classes, etc. So our challenge is to actually make the formal less formal, <laughs> right? And um, But in different places, uh, it's different, right? Because... Um, in some countries, it's, um, I hear primary school teachers saying that the children have not learned enough of the basic pre-academic, you know, they should know colors or, you know, you don't have to be didactic, but they should have some, they should have the elements of spatial thinking and, you know, understanding, etc. So they actually miss that. So, you know, we have to be aware that there's, uh, there are different views, right? One is like early childhood should be preparing children for formal primary school. So we should have more literacy and numeracy, et cetera. And, um, you know, it should be more formal. On the other hand, it should be totally play-based. And you know, so we, we need to have a middle ground, really. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that makes sense. And and the thing that just struck me, which which always fills me with a little bit of real encouragement, is the fact that I think the things that we've discussed so far help fix that problem. Like, say, if there's a dialogue between home and school, if there's a dialogue between teachers, if there's a dialogue across countries and areas and continents about all of these things, then everyone starts to see the common ground and the common themes and, and the reason why, understanding how this is in our school as opposed to how it might look different somewhere else but actually we're, we're on the same page we're just different because of culturally or or um or where we are geographically or or the fact that you know our education system in the older years does look different so we need to tailor it a little bit differently because we haven't like i said there isn't that silver bullet that changes everything 
but we have the skills and the understanding and it looks like this here because and whatever that happens to be and so i think like you say the understanding the child's at the beginning and, and the center of everything that we do having that communication in that dialogue is going to make the the, the the really sort of biggest difference and i think that way you know that's universal that's just about communication and conversations and and sharing the practice that you want to do either side, like say from home or in school as well. And that's, that's, that's a, that's a very uplifting kind of feel, I think, which is, uh, um, is, is incredibly exciting. So, so let's just, um, just round it, round it up to make sure that everyone's got all the key dates. So it was February the 28th was the, the date you need to make sure you've got everything, um, in, in, the in the application uploaded, form and everything yeah, done yeah. uploaded exactly that's the, that's a good one thank you um and and the website um where is it that they need to go in order to do it and we'll make sure we've got a link to this in the show notes as yes, well yes 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 el.khaward.ae fantastic and you'll be able to like i said in the show notes you'll be able to click straight straight through that to make sure you can do it and i look forward to hearing um what happens within the awards and what actually comes out and who wins and, and and hear some of these amazing ideas um and be able to share that you know if we can through the podcast but also like we say be able to sort of sort of elevate again this um, good practice and be able to support early years which we said is quite rightly so important um both for the people involved directly now but also i think for all of us going forward into certainly developing the world that we'd like to live in and supporting people to be able to be part of that in the best kind of way so yeah thank you so much for joining me i really really do appreciate it and and best of luck with the um with the whole process thank you so much thank you thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.